Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, and today we're going to talk about involuntary celibacy. Involuntary celibacy. And that took me a minute to kind of get around what we're talking about there, because I can see a lot of people in low sex marriages going, yes, that's me. I'm involuntarily celibate. celibate." Yeah. Yeah. So they're in a sexless marriage, don't want to be, and... And I think that I really want to distinguish this from the usual sexlessness. So we term a marriage sexless if they're having sex less than one time a month and low sexed if they're having sex less than every other week. Mm -hmm. But these are people who are really, really, truly sexless. So they've gone for six months at least six months without any sex. And I do see patients like this. And I would say more than anything, we have people writing in about this. Like, look, at I'm desperate. Because the person who is involuntarily celibate still often has hope. They still want things to change. They want it to be different. So they're really frustrated. And I, I read a really interesting study about this over the weekend. It was written by Denise Donnelly and Elizabeth Burgess. And it was called The Decision to Remain in an involuntarily celibate relationship. And it was published in 2008. If you want to go there and read that, that might help you. But they talked about, you know, what happens? How do people become sexless? 
you know, why do people stay in this? And kind of maybe is there any anything you can do about it? Yeah. And how does this become a problem for people in relationships? Because I don't think, you know, obviously people don't just enter into those relationships saying we want to be in a sexless marriage or we no. want to be involuntarily celibate. So so it's like two thirds of the people who get to this place, there's kind of like a slow devolving into sexlessness. So it's kind of like the frog in tepid water that you start to cook. You know, they don't notice that they're pretty soon in hot water and being cooked. Yeah. Uh, but there's all kinds of things that are interfering with their sex life. It, it could be anything from mental illness of their partner to addiction to the stresses of life to, you know, child rearing. There's ways that something happens and over time they just let go a little bit by little bit or their partner has low desire and and lets go themselves little bit by little bit. And this can be very frustrating and insidious yeah. the way they get to this point. Well, and oftentimes those things build on each other. It, it may not be just one thing that caused it. And it's, it's low desire plus child rearing plus job stress. Right. right? It's overdetermined. And over time, those things just build and build and build until, and it removes sex. Each one removes sex from the relationship until they end up, they look up and they haven't had sex in months and months. Yeah. And there was about, I think it was 16% or so of couples where there's something sudden that happens. So it might be a change in health. It might be the partner had an affair, and so the other partner doesn't forgive that, and they just cut off sex completely. Or the partner has an affair and doesn't want to have sex in their marriage, in their committed partnership. You know, they're having sex somewhere else. It might be kind of, we had a child, that's what I wanted out of this relationship, and now all my energy is going into the child. And then there's a smaller percent, about 10% of couples Uh, And I'm not adding up all the percents, but about 10% of couples kind of started off with little or low sex. Like they knew going into it, you know, we didn't we didn't really have good sex, you know, but my partner said, well, once we get married, it'll be better or we'll have more time together. We'll be together. And there were all these excuses and they might have even been anxious about it. But then they got married or they got into the commitment and it turns out there was even less sex. Mm -hmm. So they had a heads up, but somehow or another they convinced themselves, you know, don't worry about it. You know, just keep keep going. It'll get better with time. And, and this is one of the things I tell my sons is I say, you know what? If the sexual chemistry falls off during engagement, that is a huge red flag. Like, don't just sit with that. Like, really, truly explore that and get to the bottom of it because – I've seen this over and over in my counseling room is people who do come in in the same way. You know, they their partner wasn't very sexual to begin with, but they thought it would get better, and it didn't. And so, I, you know, to me, that's a red flag in the beginning. I think when, when we talk about this, the damage to a relationship is not always the obvious one, right? The one that we would obviously say. Obviously, you know, sex lack of sexual intimacy is going to pull couples apart, Right. But there's other costs to a sexless marriage that people don't often take into account or don't always associate it with being in a sexless marriage. Right. Right. And and a sexless marriage, obviously, the involuntary celibacy is one person wants sex Mm -hmm. 
and the other, for whatever reasons, can't have it, doesn't want it, whatever. So you're right. I mean, one of the costs, of course, is the sexual frustration of the one. And oftentimes, the relational fallout is, you know, huge resentment, if not rage and anger about this, uh, you know, fighting about it. Um, We say all the time here that sex is glue in a relationship. It's what keeps people together. It cements the bond, both literally physiologically. You know, oxytocin is released, which is a bonding chemical when we have orgasm. And and basically the next person we look at, who is our partner in bed, we feel more connected to them. So without sex, there's going to be fallout. But also, as I was reading this study, you know, uh, depression – you know, the person who's not having sex feels really depressed, kind of the the thrill about life is gone, and they feel often deep rejection, mm-hmm. you know, that somehow or another, why, why not me? Am I ugly? Am I unattractive? Am I not sexy enough? And so that that can be lead to low self-esteem, you know, yeah, be really a, damaging. Yeah, that one's huge because lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence in a relationship is going to lead you to pull away. Right, and gonna gonna lead to a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah, a lot of and, damaging in the relationship, and and even difficulty concentrating on their work. You know, they have trouble with that because they're preoccupied with how can I get this thing sexual again, mm-hmm. which makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I think all of us have this fantasy that sex is going to get better in relationship. Naturally, right? Naturally, that sex is going right. to get better naturally. That we're not going to have to do much work that's going to return someday. Yeah, and this is not a strictly female problem. It, it isn't the women alone who don't want sex. You know, many men as well, in fact, the study showed it wasn't necessarily gender specific, that there were men as well who didn't want sex. One of the things I see really commonly in aging couples is that the man, when he starts to struggle with ED, he actually has desire for sex but he feels so anxious about his performance that he shuts down sexual approaching. You know, he shuts down initiation. And women who, especially maybe these days, you know, women who are 50 and 60 were not socialized to initiate. They don't mm-hmm. see it as their job. They, they see it as unfeminine. Yeah. And so they're not initiating. And so the man who thinks, well, you know, she's disappointed in my penis, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's in di- my performance. Yeah, yeah, in my performance. And so... You know, he shuts down from asking and he thinks her lack of initiation means she too doesn't want it. And so that's one reason they shut down. Yeah. And I think men often, I've seen a, several men who don't desire sex and don't really initiate sex and they don't even know why that's the case. Right. Yeah. They oftentimes just the reasoning is lost on them and they don't attribute all this other stuff that's going on in their life to their low desire. They may even say, it's not that I don't desire sex is I just don't. I, I don't initiate or I don't like, I don't pursue it. It's just not at the top of my list. And it's, it can be really confusing, I think, for a lot of men because they're culturally programmed to say we should be desiring sex. Sure. And again, you know, check his testosterone, ask him to check his testosterone. But if that's normal, I, I think that inner psychological conflict, unconscious conflict, you know, is often the root of true sexlessness. You know, I mean, we know there's a lot of physiological reasons and mental health reasons and busyness reasons, but a person who withdraws sexually is avoidant. You know, they're mm-hmm. avoidant of intimacy. Yeah. And and so there's something that is, you Blood know, deeply problematic in that. 
I think a lot of listeners might say, why in the world would people stay in those kind of relationships? You well, know, uh, and like, it's a good question, and it's a hard question. And I think, you know, I'm thinking of one client of mine who has been in a sexless marriage for so many years and came to me really to see if we could work that out. But over time realized that wasn't going to work out. And so this this research study uses a social exchange theory, basically. Social exchange is... Am I getting out of this relationship enough? Am I getting a fair shake? Even, you know, and obviously there's resentment and disappointment that they're not getting sex. So why do they stay? It's it's like a cost-benefit analysis. And I think we should come back after the break and talk about the many ways people make that choice to stay in sexlessness. And we know this is not like the sexiest podcast out there. We, We understand that. But we do have so many people who struggle in this way that we want to say something to you and see if we can help you a little bit. So you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. We'll be right back. Wanting sex again. How to rediscover desire and heal a sexless marriage by certified sex therapist, Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido, from early marriage, through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible it is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthews with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. So we're back for Play Radio Sex Therapy, talking about, of all things, sexlessness, basically involuntary celibacy, when one partner really, truly refuses sexual contact, not just sexual intercourse, but all sexual contact, does not want to be sexual. And what do you do about that? And how do you, why do you stay in a relationship, right? I mean, I, I would say to young married couples, if it's so shut down that it's six months in a year, please really examine 
you know, a lifetime of this. Try to project ahead, you know, five years. Can you live a sexless life? I, I see so many young couples without children, and they have such dysfunction that they are genuinely sexless. And, and I think, oh, you know, really think about this. This is, in my mind, infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, when it's, it's, it's not fulfilling the vow of a promise onto an erotic and sexual life with your partner. I would say that, though, too, like there are things you can do to try to work on that. There's, it's not hopeless if you feel trapped in a sexless marriage, but there does have to be intentionality. I think both partners have to say, let's work on this and let's figure out let's figure out what's going on. Yeah, and, right? and I would say, you know, in our practice, right, we've yeah. seen people who are truly sexless. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple recently, 14 years sexless, you know, moved into full sexual relationships. So we're, we're hopeful. But I think what you're saying, though, too, is that if you see this, especially early on in your relationship, don't wait. Like don't, to get, don't wait yeah. to get help. I think, you know, most couples, I mean, 14 years is a long time. Most couples wait six years too long to go to therapy. Or yeah, to, for or any marital help. problem. For right? any marital problem. For sex, it's sometimes longer because it's such a hard topic to admit. But like you're saying, if in the beginning of your relationship, uh, like it's sexless, like you, that's a, it's a warning sign that you need to start to get some help because there's it's not necessarily just going to change over time. Exactly. Right? So, so why do people stay in this when it's genuinely sexually dead? Partly, you know, the cost benefit. Like sometimes maybe a woman, you know, menopausal age, and she says, you know, well, there's not that many good men out there, or I would, you know, be economically disadvantaged, or, you know, a lot of my friends say that their partners are giving up on sex too, and, and you know, they or my value, you know, my attractiveness is lower. I think, you know, one of the darn things uh, about what is so unfair is it seems that men get more attractive as they age in terms of the value that society places on them, right? They're, they're often more financially stable. And so they're viewed as more attractive, whereas women, if their value is in how they look, they're becoming less attractive. So, you know, she may be in that marriage thinking, well, you know, it's probably better to stay even though I don't have sex. Mm-hmm. My benefits outweigh the costs of leaving. Oftentimes, there's things that we see as a benefit, stability of long-term relationship. We have children together. Mm-hmm. You know, for my children's sake, it's better that I stay in a stable relationship and provide for them a basis of love and care and stability then get out, even though my life could be more sexually exciting. Staying together for the kids, essentially. They yeah. stay together for the kids. And, and some people stay together, you know, because they actually love each other. They are good friends. They, they might even be best friends. And they think, you know what, you know, it's, it's without sex. And that's disappointing to me. But there's all these other things in the relationship that I really like. So I'm going to stay for those things. My yeah. cost-benefit analysis says staying is better than what I might get out there. You know, I have to risk maybe being married to somebody who, you know, it's pick your poison. I know what I've got now. Right. Better to dance with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't know. And I don't know what I might get. Yeah. Uh, I'm fearful that we're painting a really like bleak, (laughs) bleak picture (laughs) for people. But I guess I guess if they're involved in that in that relationship, it it is it is pretty bleak. Um, Right. And and I'm talking about the ones who are who are truly sexless for a period of time. I mean, 
again, I mean, number one thing we want you to do is get therapy. Mm -hmm. When I think about how do you change this, right? How do you seriously change this? It has to be your willingness to destabilize the relationship. There is no other way around this. And it's, it's a bitter thing to think about because essentially you have to say, I need a marriage or a, a relationship that is sexual. This, what we're calling a marriage, is not a marriage to me. It has to be sexual. Yeah. And I, so th- so that means, you know, I'm willing to pull out the stocks, potentially to leave in order to say to my partner, it's that important. Yeah, we have to do something about this. That's what you mean by destabilizing it. It's like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's being okay with rocking the boat. We have to have a huge conflict about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't just have one conflict and then go back to the same pattern the way it yeah. was. I mean, yeah. you have to say, you know, look it, we're going to marital therapy. We're going to sex therapy. We're, we have to do whatever it takes to get yeah. through this. Yeah, oftentimes I have people that say, well, I brought it up and there was still nothing done about it. So what do I do? And we have to talk about you have to keep bringing it up. And and then you have to start, if nothing happens, you have to start drawing some boundaries about what you're willing to tolerate. Um, and if it may not be leaving the marriage, but it might be insisting on therapy. It might be insisting on finding other ways to get help, but saying this is, this is not going to go away and I'm going to have to keep bringing this up until we find we get some kind of movement on it. Right, right. And I mean, maybe you and I differ a little on this, Adam. I mean, I, I'm, we're all about helping couples keep it hot, and we're all about helping marriages stay together. But I think sometimes marriages get so bad that people do have to examine their choice to leave. And I think one solution that sexless, you know, involuntarily celibate people make is they step outside the marriage, right? They have an affair partner. It's like, okay, I can't. I can't have sex with my partner. My partner is completely unwilling, so I'll have an affair partner. And that is a solution that these people make. But I would say to them, you know, think about leaving the marriage first, Mm -hmm. you know, doing it in an orderly way, you know, so that it gives you true full capacity to have a fully loving relationship. A second relationship, you know, to me is probably a better option than the affair. Yeah, no, I absolutely and, and think that's a better I, option than And I'm not there. judging anybody who's made a different choice. Yeah, but I, I don't think that. I think, and I, I think you're right, as couples therapists and marriage therapists, like we want people to stay together. Uh, and I do, I lean toward that. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I think what I see people doing is they jump to that option, the, what I would call the nuclear option, a, probably a little bit too quick when they haven't done the steps in between that to really try to help uh, get right. their marriage back on track. And so that's, right. what, that's what I mean more of is that it, have you done the things to move it along and to try to get the help that you need? Have you stayed in therapy long enough? Nobody, people don't stay in therapy long enough. That's they, true. They come for three or four sessions and they want it to be <laughs> they, they want 15 years fixed they in three 15, sessions. Yeah. It's and like, so are they, you kidding? And so they bail on it too soon or they, they don't want it. They don't tolerate the hard stuff. I think when you're talking about destabilizing it, they're dealing with it and dealing with the conflict that it brings up and not avoiding it. And so that's what I mean. I mean more like the, doing the work to be able to try to to bring it along. I mean, it takes two, like your partner has to come along with you ultimately. Yeah. But I think that's But, but it's that's often not just the fault of the person who has the low libido or who is refusing no, sex. I mean, one of the things that happens in therapy is self-confrontation. 
You know, sometimes I, I hear people who come in and the one partner is so ugly, which is a southern word to mean they're they're just kind of so awful to their partner. I think, oh, God, you know, I wouldn't have sex with you either. Mm. You know, I mean, they, they're hostile and they don't even recognize their hostility and that pushes their partner away. Yeah. And and some of this is confrontation. Most dynamics in a relationship are dynamic. That means you both contribute to it. Yeah. It isn't just, I mean, it's easy to look at and attack the person who doesn't want to have sex as they're the problem. Yeah. But it is usually flowing between both people. Well, the longer and time, there's little things that yeah. have happened over time. And the more that it's gone on, too, the more that that hostility becomes a, uh, hurt over anger over hurts that have happened in the past, right? Part of the reason we want people to come in early is so that things don't build up. They don't turn into resentments and they don't and then you're not acting out of those resentments and you're not hostile and and mean because you're angry and hurt. You're getting those things out of the way early on and resolving a lot of those conflicts. And that's I think that's what they people get caught in a pattern and they have a very hard time seeing it that keeps them locked into mm-hmm. um uh a sexless marriage. Right. And then it's not just the sexlessness, right, that is painful. It's just being together and every moment is painful because it's bitter. Yeah. And we've had letters from people who sound absolutely bitter. You know, so they're staying sexless and they're staying unhappy. And and that just sounds so awful to me. If you're Mm -hmm. going to stay, you have to find some form of acceptance Mm -hmm. that says, okay, this is not going to happen, but I'm going to refocus on the reasons I'm here, whether it's, you know, to stabilize for my children or if it's going to be I enjoy my partner in many other ways. Yeah. I mean, you have to refocus and redirect your energies toward the positive or your entire life is miserable. Yeah, because your, your entire marriage isn't bad, right? Like, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes maybe. Sometimes. But, well, let me say it a different way. Just because you're not having sex doesn't mean that there's nothing good in your relationship. That's right. Is that, That's that, right. I think I used a lot of double negative. <laughs> I think I used a lot of no, I, I hear you. I agree. Um, but so being able to refocus on the positive things mean you're searching for them and you're actively looking for the ways, the other areas that may be um, good. Like maybe you, you might be really good partners at getting things done, a really good team. Yeah. Right? Your friendship may be, may be really high. You may have a lot in common. You may be making a difference together in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, we know political alliances, marriages out there. We look, oh, you know, are they really still hot in the bedroom? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, but they're they're shouldering together against the world. Yeah. So there's there could be a lot of good things and probably are a lot of good things that are other parts of the relationship that are still really good. But we sympathize with you. And I mean, obviously, we're doing this podcast because we recognize sex is such a high value in terms of how we mm-hmm. how we think about our quality of life. So our tips for you are first of all, it's got to be destabilized. You have to be willing to have conflict, a big conflict and a regular conflict until you get to the bottom of it. And I know that's scary, but that's the only way I can see through it is you have to be willing to destabilize the relationship. You know, to break up the sexless pattern. Yeah. And then number two, really kind of taking some energy and putting it toward uh, refocusing on the good parts of your relationship, even if they're really small. Um, we, you want to put some energy toward finding what those are and really focusing on them. Absolutely. Because particularly if some of what is pushing you apart is the unfriendly, 
you know, angry pieces, and that pushes you apart even further, exacerbating the problem. Focusing on the good of your partner is at least one healing aspect. And then finally, I mean, we're both therapists. We're both counselors. So like, yeah, get into therapy. Like, you know, and we, and we offer Skype it. counseling too. So <laughs> call us. Yeah, we believe it's beneficial. We believe it works, and it can it can help with these kind of problems. Yeah, and don't wait too long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope we can continue to give you some light. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.